is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XM OutQ. That is my personal favorite song from the EP Kaleidoscope by Courtney Act. That track is called Inhale. It's the artsy one of the album. It's of very the, of it's the EP. Very ethereal, very um unexpected. Yeah. And I like I like curveballs. I liked I we I wrote that one with um an Australian producer, Chris Arnett, and we were just he was kind of like pushing buttons and making sounds and then I just sort of wrote some lyrics and um, they were sort of a bit longer and a bit more evolved and he was like, why don't you try and simplify them? And I'm like, oh God, because I was telling a story about meeting a boy at Burning Man and uh, I couldn't, I was trying to work out how to make them simpler and simpler and I sort of broke them down and ended up with that song, which is kind of quirky, but I like it. It's a beautiful song. I absolutely love it. That's Courtney Act visiting with us on The Jolt. I'm Larry Flick. Courtney has an EP. We've been talking about it. It's called Kaleidoscope. And uh, Courtney is uh, currently touring her From Head to Mistletoe Christmas show. And it'll be at the Laurie Beachman Theater Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Go to spincyclenyc.com to learn more and follow Courtney on social media to keep, uh, keep track of the other cities where the show will turn up. Um, okay, so... Your life is uh, its fascinating to follow because it's um, kind of antithetical to what I think people expect from someone who's done what you've done, not only in terms of drag race, but in terms of Australian Idol. Um, it seems like you, you, you conquered your own country and then you blew it all up. I could stuck some dynamite up its ass, blew it up, and then came here. And then you came here, and you you did extraordinarily well. And then you didn't put yourself on that circuit, or you didn't really live on that circuit the way the other other girls have. I think you and maybe one or two others I can think of have chosen to use the opportunity differently. Um, how is that working for you? I mean, I think it's working great, but how do you feel about it? I It's been interesting. I think sometimes I go through this struggle of um, being a drag race girl and being um, something different to that. I have always sort of had these pop dreams. Uh, and I've always, in Australia, I've worked in the mainstream a lot and although Drag Race crosses over into that world, there's still kind of like this pink glass ceiling that we mm. sort of joke about cleaning. And um, I'm, I'm, I know that a few of us, Willem Alaska and I sort of talk about wanting to break through that ceiling, you know, individually as a group or whatever, but just to try and sort of reach those other parts of the audience, that seems to be what makes us tick. Um, you know, there's the audience that we've got who get it and we love them, but there's this also this opportunity to to see where we can poke our heads through. You know, Willem's Boy is a Bottoms had like 18 million views or something. I did a video um, this week for BuzzFeed Australia that's had 30 million views in like four days. And it's it's just amazing seeing like that little turtle head poke through into the mainstream. It's interesting going and reading the comments, which I know they say you shouldn't do, uh, but sometimes you can't help it. And I was on BuzzFeed's sort of page looking at all of the comments and, and it's funny hearing people who have no idea who I am or what I do watching me transform from boy to girl and, and 
being some amazed, some confused, some disgusted, but definitely having a very strong reaction from it. But, you know, it's interesting. I had this conversation yesterday, actually. Um, didn't realize it was going to work out that way. But this conversation with Bianca Del Rio, who was here yesterday. Oh. And, and, and I, f- I feel like I want to say the same thing to you that I said to, to her, which is, I don't think of you as a drag queen. Mm. I think of you as a singer who just happens to wear a wig sometimes. I've always, I've always thought of myself as being a singer who, ha- it's kind of like the drag is secondary. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way it's the same for Bianca. Like she's a comedian who happens to be in drag. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I look at her and I just think, okay, well, the wig was your way to kind of stand apart from everybody else. It's a very crowded field. Yeah. And And I look at you and I think... Well, that's not really you because you're, you know, when when you're in in your female persona, it's very natural and it's not exaggerated mm. in a way that's kind of like the way she does it. But um, I just feel like it's a different, it's just just a different layer of you as opposed to, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the other girls are very the drag queens. Yeah, and that's no shade. No, them. not at all. We love drag queens, but I wonder how you. Do you like being called a drag queen? Um, I I I acknowledge that I am I fit under the umbrella of drag. Um, I've grown up in the Sydney drag scene, but I do think of myself like as a singer uh, or you know an entertainer, an artist sort of first. Like on the on the former immigration, I write singer. I sometimes if I'm bored, I write drag queen just to amuse myself with the <laughs> the, the immigration officer. But um, yeah, I think of myself as a singer who who does it in drag. And even the drag, it's funny, you know, like the last, I don't know. I mean, even since we talked last, I I find my identity, I guess, constantly evolving, as I think we all do. But because mine's kind of extreme, because I'm wearing clothes of the opposite gender, it it gives me more feedback, I guess. It's funny you bring this up because I was going to say the last time we talked, I brought up gender mm. and gender identification. And since I've been observing you uh, following the CP, mm-hmm. which I think is a very interesting, uh, I feel like the record makes a very interesting statement about gender. Um, some of it's very obvious, some of it's not obvious at all. Mm. Um, I feel like your views on gender have changed even since the last time we've talked. And I'm wondering how you identify if um, I may. Well, I, I mean, I'm a, a male-bodied person. I, I, I live my life as a boy, um, and but I just found that there was this real emphasis put on maleness and being a man, and I didn't always fit into that. And for years I questioned what that meant. Like inside there was a bit of an internal struggle where I was like, I don't fit this like masculine archetype. What does that mean? And, and for years I didn't know whether that I had this idea of like wanting to look like one of those chiseled muscly gay boys or being a woman and I have these two extremes of masculinity and femininity in my brain and I didn't know why I vacillated between the two of them and then when I realized that perhaps you didn't have to be one of those extremes perhaps you could just be somewhere wherever felt comfortable and natural to you to me um, and it, and essentially that was just me being who I was authentically I realized that that didn't it wasn't extremely masculine or extremely feminine and that I sat somewhere perhaps on this gender spectrum. And I used the term gender fluid or gender queer because it kind of helped me identify with something other than the binary. And then the interesting thing was I got to this point where I didn't 
need to identify as anything anymore. I used those labels to get to a place where I didn't need labels. I still like using the word gender fluid just because kids, people, not just kids, but people will hear it and be like, what does that mean? And then, and then have this discussion about something that isn't explicitly masculine or explicitly feminine. And I think ultimately none of us are really, you know, like capital M men or capital W women, if you will. Uh, I think that everybody exists somewhere on that spectrum. It's just that maybe I'm closer to the middle, but still on the male side than, than most males. See, it's very, it's so interesting you say to hear you talk about this because I I when I hear the term gender fluid, mm-hmm. and I respect people who identify as such, to me and most of the people I've met who identify as such, tend to land in ambiguity mm-hmm. and androgyny, and what I think is really radical about you, and why I find find this part of you fascinating is you to my eyes are very extreme in that you are either the most beautiful woman in the room or you are a very beautiful boy. Like today, there is nothing, I will tell you, I don't find anything feminine about you today. I find you to be completely, totally a boy. Yeah. And I know that to me, that kind of, that's what, that kind of, that kind of uh, existence, that kind of life, is true gender fluidity where you can, I, I wonder if you feel even accepted by folks who identify as that because there is such androgyny mostly among gender fluid people. Whereas, you know, because most gender fluid people would not want to wear a beautiful frosty pink lip and yeah. beautiful hair and cinch or, you know, look like a boy in sweats and like, you know, a bubble a bubble winter coat, you know. How how do you navigate that? How do you navigate even in that world? Well, I mean, from my experience, dealing with other people of of different genders and sexualities i found that there's no one story and i think that i watched this great ted talks by jim amanda i can't say her last name but she did that great talk on uh on that beyonce sampled about feminists and she also did this other one about single stories and she talked about how stereotypes aren't untrue they're just not they're 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 they just don't give you, uh, they just give you a single story. And that the reality is, is that there's so many different facets and colors and, and we, we usually make our life easy by popping them into the binary and being like, okay, here's, this is what we know. And let's let everybody who's like that, let's put them in that category. And I think that in my experience, I can't like people, like I've had experiences with sleeping with straight guys and everybody wants to have that one definitive story. You know, do they, how, how what what position what what what's the word I'm looking for for radio? I'll just say whatever it is. Do they like to top or do they like to bottom? Or they everybody wants to know what that one sort of thing is. And I think that with every single person, there is a unique story, and it's odd because when you hear about your differences, all of a sudden you realize that you almost have more in common. Um, that our similarities are so often greater than our differences, but we have all of those differences that make us sort of so diverse and interesting. It's this weird dichotomy or juxtaposition, I guess, that's confusing if you think about it too much, but if you just allow it to be rather than trying to dissect it, mm. it kind of is a really lovely place. So when you, it's Courtney Act joining us here on The Jolt. When you, when you factor your art into this, mm-hmm. right? And so I listen to Kaleidoscope 
with all of these things in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't find the record confusing. I find the record very clear, mm. like crystal clear, because to me it's uh, it's not a disco record, it's not a pop record. To me it's a very alternative record because I think of you as an alternative artist mm -hmm. because if you wanted to be a disco artist, you would be. Yeah. I don't think I don't think of you as really being fearsome of, of fearful of anything. I think well, if you wanted to go and sing "Turn to Beat Around," you would go fucking sing "Turn to Beat Around." Yeah. Um, and and that it's actually more natural for you to sing a song like uh, like "Boys Like Me," which mm -hmm. is an interesting song on a record, or or you know uh, body parts. And so, do you find that? Um, the biggest challenge is to, we were talking a moment ago about, you know, breaking past that pink glass ceiling. Do you find that maybe there's, a, with things like the fader piece, which is a big, it's, I mean, you know, I, I bring it up again because it's a milestone in media attention for, mm. for an artist like yeah. you. Um, that the real, the real path is going to be alternative media and alternative people and alternative music. Yeah, and I think that's even, I think, I don't know, I think I defined, I, de I prescribed the sound of Kaleidoscope, but I do think that the sound wasn't like handbag pop because I, I am influenced a lot more by, you know, alternative music and, and, you know, electro alternative and stuff like that. And that just kind of felt what was a good fit for me and also a good uh, entry point for the mainstream because it wasn't complete pure pop. I mean, it is pop, but it still had this kind of alternative edge or a, a credibility, I guess, if you will. Like mm -hmm. working with people like Sam Sparrow and Jake Shears, um, they added, you know, body parts. I remember Jake and Sam and I all sitting there writing it and just added such a different flavor to it with Jake sort of being like, well, what about that sound? Or what about this? Or what about and the, the three of us just there in the room trying different things and creating music that I'm, I love Robin. She's one of my inspirations, and, uh, and she's always been a bit like that, where she's not quite, like, right in the middle of the mainstream pop, but she's got this cool edge to her, and I, I, I really admired that, and I was trying to give my music some of that flavor when I was making it. You pick a very interesting place of your vo in your voice to, to live as well, because you're high, you're singing very high, but it's, again, not really girly it's just high mm -hmm. um and i and 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 i think if someone doesn't know who courtney act is and they listen to it they're gonna go who is like what is that that's mm. what people will generally yeah. say it's like what is that and i mean if you listen to pop music today especially female singers there's this slightly homogenous sound sometimes mm -hmm. and it's that thing where you want to fit in so you try and emulate what everybody else is doing and then at some point you just realize to just sing however you want to sing yeah. and that's i mean if you look at the stars that we remember they had a unique sound uh so at, at some point i was trying to fit in i mean there's definitely like overtones of kylie in in my voice and mm -hmm. in my delivery um but i guess ultimately we just we would there was no agenda in the studio we would just see what kind of mood everybody was in what kind of topics came to our mind what kind of beats we wanted to hear and we would just let it organically unfold there was never a time when we were like okay let's write a song about blank right it was like what should we write and i remember jake was like what about like i had this idea of like body parts and we were like oh that's good body parts and then i was talking about you know 
talking about straight guys and uh, now that you've got me, I'm not what you thought. Rip off the label, I'm not what you bought. But you still like me, what does that mean? I'll be your peaches, just add cream. There's kind of this idea about guys being confused by body parts. And I think ultimately, I said in the Fader piece, ultimately it shouldn't be about your body parts, it should be about the feelings of the situation, which is where that whole fluid mm. idea comes in with gender. I feel like saying that you're something doesn't leave any room to be something else. And so I just like this idea of existing and in all aspects, in gender and in sexuality and in other aspects of my life, of being fluid, which is just meaning being able to go with the flow. It's got to be a very difficult and exhausting tightrope to walk uh, between, you know, because we're talking, we're talking in, you know, like this is a very, you know, primal yet intellectual way of approaching gender, life, art, and yet you want to have fun. The music is fun. You want to be you know, accepted as an entertaining figure. How much, how much subversion do you have to, you know, like how do you measure that? Because some of you, some of what you do is very subversive. Yeah. Some of it is, like, if you if you're just kind of taking it on surface value, you're just like, well, she's very funny, and then you just kind, and then it's like, if I think about that, it's like, oh, she just kicked me in the balls. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, I think as well, the gay community misses a lot of the subversion, because we're used to seeing drag performers, and we're used to seeing men dress as women. We're used to seeing trans women a lot more. And um, even, you know, if I'd go back to Drag Race and the, the look where I come out with the bed wrapped around mm -hmm. me and the big hair, in my mind, that was the ultimate subversion because I was presenting this this ultimate idea of of a, a male's desire, like the, the ultimate masculine desire of this woman in this bed with this bra and panties on. And I, I came out and, I, and it, all of the gays were like, well, she just, she's just wearing a bra and panties. And I'm like, well, I came out in a bed and a mask and I had a teddy bear and it was like this fully realized concept or so I thought. Yeah. Um, and then sort of drop it away and I'm there in a thong on national, international television. I, I was like, I was excited about that look and then all, was the, a good look. all the queens could say. With, and I think as well, you know, there's this thing with Rue and Michelle that if they say it to a lot of the people, it's real. Um, there's there's not that that thing where they question or they they like I think Rue Rue said stop resting on pretty that episode and they were yeah. like that outfit's just pretty you're just wearing a bra and you're just wearing a thong and um, but yeah I think that with the straight world like that fader piece you know there's this there's this gorgeous photo you know from the the knees up <laughs> and then from the knees down you get these lovely hobbit's feet and i think in some way that's really subversive as well and it's very subversive because people are like isn't that a pretty girl but, but see it's so funny those feet? it's Jesus so Christ. funny that you it's really funny you mentioned mentioned that 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 uh, that look on the on the on the uh, runway because that was very very mindfucked because we we either want our drag queens to be clowns mm -hmm. Or we want them, we don't really want them to look real. Yeah. We don't want them to look like real And real I've copped women. a lot of flack for that, like, you know, that she only wears chapstick and mascara. And, it's like, and well, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. She that's cheap. She's saving, she's saving money and... She's saving them coins. You know, right? but also it's like, it's it's sort of, it's, it's a little too close to the bone of truth. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and I, that's what freaks people out. I think it, and I think that for the mainstream, because they want to believe that you still want to haul your dick out and shove it in someone. <laughs> I well, think it's still that possibility. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, they want to. They want to play. They want to. They want to invest in the male gender playing with femininity mm -hmm. as opposed to complete subversion of the, yeah. of the male gender. And I think that the best, the the funnest part for me is with straight men because there is that primal. They see a pretty woman and they want to, you know, sow their seed. Uh, and and there's always this fascinating moment where they've just, you know, their 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 loins are activated and then their brains kick in. But usually with men, their penises are stronger than their brains. Well, so. yes, I can I can attest to that. Can attest to that. <laughs> the penis is mightier than the brain. Always. <laughs> Always Don't worry about the pen. <laughs> it was just a metaphor. That's just another phallus. <laughs> All right. So that's Courtney. I want to thank you for coming to see us. I wish we could. I could talk to you for days and weeks and months. So yeah, please promise to come back. Again. I will. Thanks for having and me again, back. It's, it's nice always, to see you. As it's always, always really good to see you. I have such admiration for what you're doing. Really, true, sincere admiration for what you're doing. Uh, look for Courtney Act in uh, the show from Head to Mistletoe. That is uh, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Laurie Beachman Theater. Go to spincyclenyc.com to learn more. Follow Courtney Act on social media to get the dates for the rest of the From Head to Mistletoe tour. The EP we've been talking about is called Kaleidoscope. It is really one of the, the finest uh, releases of the year. It honestly, sincerely is. It's, it's, um, it's very compelling. It's challenging, but it's ultimately very catching catchy uh and there's also you have a i'm looking i'm looking at spotify right now you have two new christmas songs on there yeah christmas sweater there's a christmas queens album that came out with a lot of the drag race girls yeah and willem alaska and i did a, a an original called christmas sweater and uh and then i did another original called head to mistletoe and we're going to play that one right now Aww. so uh so we will see you very very soon happy first happy christmas with not a oh, woman wrong and, one. Uh, i mean he Oops. was there we go. Oh yeah, yeah. Stick around. There's more to come. Your Santa Claus outfit.